Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, she's back. Hannah Cox, president, co-founder, president, co-founder, base politics. Also, libertarian conservative, writer, activist, commentator. And I can vouch for her libertarian credentials. I've seen some, you know, posts I actually kind of agree with online. Good day. Welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to be back with you. Absolutely. All right, let's get right into it. Finding Willis testimony, motion to dismiss or disqualify based upon um, a particular dynamic associated with finances. I don't want to presume what you don't believe about the motion or her testimony. So if you would give us your impression, I would then opine. Well, it's a mixed bag for me, Dr. Rishi. I think I don't like prosecutors in general. I think they very rarely face any accountability whatsoever. They have absolute immunity and they get away with highway murder in this country. They have so much power that goes completely unchecked. So I've got a knee jerk reaction just to be against her right from the start for those reasons. I do think when you look at this case, I think of all the cases against Trump, this one in Georgia was the most valid. Thought they had the most like really hang their hat on when it came to the actual facts of the matter of what he did in this state. I absolutely think he tried to tamper with the election. I have friends in the Secretary of State's office here. He did it, right? Like yeah. we know that he did these things, but she really overreached. And I think that this is something we often see prosecutors do when they're trying to make a name for themselves. They come in and they overcharge, they get these big high profile cases. And she really went out of the way to go with RICO charges and all of this extra circus type things that she did instead of just actually charging him on the merits of the case. There was a litany of simple charges. This could have been done already. There was no reason for this to be the complete circus that it ended up being. And now she's got caught up. Look, I don't really know what she did or didn't do. I do know that this particular prosecutor out of the group that she hired is the least qualified and is paid more than the others. It's not a good look. It does appear that they had um, a relationship of some sort. When it comes down to how corrupt is this? How much did this actually impact the case? Is she actually qualified to proceed? I don't know. I think you know you have to expect with these kinds of high profile situations, they're going to be digging for absolutely anything they can find. And certainly it has the look of impropriety and of using taxpayer dollars in a wrongful manner. She's not alone in that. There's there's numerous instances, even in the prosecutor Wade's background, where it appears he's been paid a very pretty penny for very little work by the government in numerous other cases. There was one thing a couple years ago where he was supposed to be investigating actual crimes in our jails and prisons against people's basic civil liberties. And he took no notes for five months, but collected tens of thousands of dollars of taxpayer dollars. So I, as a whole, have to say, I guess it's a good thing that there's scrutiny being applied against these people. But I think they really, you know, they messed up. I think Trump deserves to face charges for what he did here. So it's unfortunate. All right, Hannah, so let me tell you where you're incorrect. And let me also make sure that I present the dynamics of court procedure and even the RICO Act. So number one, she could not have charged this as a pure charge of Fulton County. The reason is because her jurisdiction would not have allowed her to go outside of the scope of Fulton County. However, under the state statute rules, if you charge someone under the RICO Act, you are now allowed to connect the dots from Fulton County to Cobb County. Cobb County and Gwinnett County. The reason why this is important is is because the co-conspirators who have been charged in the case did not all live. As a matter of fact, most of them do not live in Fulton County. And in order to get beyond that particular jurisdictional rule, you must qualify the case as a RICO case that allows you to go statewide. So that's number one, that's the qualification of the case and the RICO Act statutorily applied. Number two, the case is not about 
if they had a relationship. It has been established that they did. This is not illegal, nor is it a constitutional violation of Mr. Michael Roman, the man who's currently on trial. The Mr. Michael Roman, his attorney, filed the motion to disqualify Fonnie Willis on the last day that you can file a pretrial motion. They got whiff of a rumor and they filed the motion. The motion is supposed to have one of three elements to be considered valid on face value. Either a statement of fact, a statement of law, or a statement of constitutionality. None were presented. There was no legal violation because there was nothing against the law with two consenting adults in a prosecutorial dynamic. There is no constitutional violation mentioned because Mr. Roman had not and has not had his constitutional rights violated. And there was no statutory dynamic because there's nothing illegal about the process, even though you will likely get the side out for doing it, right? But the motion was given credibility. And once the motion was given credibility, you now have this full evidentiary hearing cycle that you see before you. As she is testifying, of course, she is offended that lies have been told. I mean, literally, there are filings, three filings that say that they live together. These things have been proven to be untrue. And then when we get into the motion itself, because Hannah, I want you to really understand what the motion says. The motion says, because nobody believes the motion. The motion says, DA Fonnie Willis decided to make up a false prosecution, hire Mr. Wade in order to enrich herself financially with a couple of dinners and three trips. Nobody actually believes that. Nobody believes it. And so the process of this hearing dives into the financial record of Mr. Wade. What has been proven? Well, in one year that he worked, 60% of his income came external to Fulton County. In another year he worked, 50% of his income came external to Fulton County. The defense knows that there's no there there. You cannot connect the dots. The only way you could connect these dots is if you had a forensic accountant who said the money that was paid to this person, the taxpayer money that went to Mr. Wade, came in a way that directly filtered back to Ms. Willis. That is so off the table for the defense. The defense has not even called an expert witness or a forensic expert to testify financially to that dynamic. And lastly, I will say this. When you have a case that has so many moving pieces and all of these elements are being thrown at by Mr. Wade, the prosecutor, special prosecutor, Fonnie Willis, and then it becomes about qualification. I need you to understand something. The judge said before the motion, you cannot discuss the qualification of Mr. Wade. And the reason is because she has complete authority to, in fact, appoint anyone, as the judge said, with a pulse in the bar car. It cannot be grounds for disqualification. And on record, it's not on record that he did not work the hours. What's on record is that he worked more hours than he was paid for, not less. I'm talking about what's on record, not what you just believe in your heart. But what's on record is that he worked more hours than he was actually paid. So at the end of this, at the final conclusion of all of it, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Some people may think she acted unprofessionally while giving her particular testimony in defense. I don't think she's been more unprofessional than Donald Trump has. By calling those that prosecute him bird brain, by calling them brain dead and violating various contempt orders. So when we talk about leaders, Hannah, we have to contextualize them in the imperfect reality that they are in. 
Uh, I no longer need my leaders to be perfect. I'm glad that there's somebody willing to hold a very powerful person accountable to what we all know, as you just said on my show, was in fact a violation of Georgia law. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Dr. Rishi. I'm going to have a hard time fighting with you on this because I do think that Trump deserves to face repercussions. And, you know, when it comes to the RICO stuff, I understand what you're saying, and you're absolutely correct about the legal mechanisms. But that's why I have a problem with RICO in general. It's something that's often been used, even by prosecutors like Rudy Giuliani, dating all the way back to try to catch people up that they didn't actually have the evidence they needed to have to convict people. And it's one of those things that got put on the books that has allowed us to massively inflate our criminal justice system and put all kinds of people in jail and prison. And, you know, in this case, you can argue these people deserve it. Perhaps that's true. But the fact is, when you establish a legal precedent, it's often then used against people who don't deserve it. It's used yeah. against shouldn't be caught up. So I don't like RICO as a statute, period, to be very clear. I don't think that it's constitutional. I don't think it's a, I think it's a perversion of our justice system. And I think prosecutors should have to work. I think if they're going to bring charges against somebody, they need to have due process. They need to have actual evidence and they need to have it for every single person that they indict. When it comes to this case, you know, I'm not as familiar with the, the co-defendants as I am Trump. Like I said, I think there's plenty of evidence to convince to convict Trump of a number of things. But when it comes to some of these lesser defendants, you know, I don't think that that's as important, to be honest, as it was to go after Trump. I wish he would have kept it simple, kept it straight, and just locked this down from the get-go. But you are correct that she hasn't done anything that could actually take away her ability to prosecute this case. And that's, again, because prosecutors, they don't really have many checks and balances on them. The average American has no idea how unilaterally powerful their local district attorney is. I mean, they really have carte blanche power when it comes to who they hire, what cases they're going to prosecute, what charges they're going to throw at somebody. And there's very, very little checks and balances for them, even when they actually are breaking the law, which I don't think she's done. But when we've seen actual instances of prosecutorial misconduct, I mean, in 19% of wrongful convictions, prosecutorial misconduct was to blame, and yet nothing happens from them. Yeah. You will very rarely see them disbarred or even brought before the bar to have to, to prove themselves. And so I, I have an issue with the entire infrastructure of prosecutors and DAs. I think this is giving the American people a small uh, behind the scenes look into just how powerful they are. I don't personally think anything's going to happen of this. I think it is bread and circuses all around. I think it's a distraction. And like you said, they're throwing anything they can at the wall to try to get her kicked out, to try to get these charges dropped because they're pretty desperate. The, the merits of this case are pretty strong compared to some of the other ones that have come. I don't I don't think that's going to work that way, just knowing what I know about the legal system, but we'll see. Um, but I, I do wish people would take this moment to recognize that we need some real reform around prosecutors. The, the standards should be higher. There should be more accountability. We should expect more from our leaders. You know, Just because Donald Trump is bottom of the barrel over here doesn't mean that we should accept that from other leaders as well. There needs to be higher standards. We should expect people who have immense power to have character and principles and that there should be a spotlight on their activities that they're answerable to. to to the American people. And I think you and I probably agree on the vast majority of that. Yeah, we do. Uh, in context, we actually do. Uh, many times on Indisputable, we talk about the out of control power of a prosecutor typically. Um, also, there is a distinction between the federal RICO um, statute that uh, someone like former prosecutor Rudy Giuliani used, and then the state version of a RICO Act, which is basically a jurisdictional dynamic. It is to help you get over jurisdictional boundaries, uh, but it also establishes a connection between individuals who may not have been in, in the same room at the same time. Um, now, I do proffer this as well. There's significant reform that you and I agree with. For example, um, we agree that there's this uh, overuse of prosecutorial discretion, 
that leads to wrongful convictions. I can't tell you how many times we have covered on indisputable when a prosecutor stepped out of bounds. Somebody innocent goes to prison. We cover the aftermath of the person being exonerated. And then we highlight the prosecutors who were involved. And guess what? Many of them are still prosecuting. Only a couple of times have we been able to report that a prosecutor has either A, been charged or B, there was a disciplinary process launched by their state bar. And then number two, and I want to ask you this question about just um, the practice in general. Right now, many states, if you are a law enforcement officer or even an elected official, If there's a grand jury proceeding against you, you get to testify to that grand jury by law. You are mandated that right. I'm not mandated that right. You would not be mandated that right. That's a reform element as well. What say you about that? I love that you brought this up. I have such a big problem with the entire process around these jury proceedings. They are so secretive. They are so privileged, the people who get to be um, not only presenting their testimony and weighing in, but just who get to be privy to what's even said within them. They they frequently don't even allow basic reporters and journalists inside of yep. them, which is a, a extreme violation of all of our rights to freedom of information and a freedom of the press rights. So I have such a huge issue with that. And I'll add one more thing to it that's sort of in the same vein. But I mentioned prosecutors, they, they mostly have absolute immunity, but pretty much all members of law enforcement have what's called qualified immunity to where when they do something something wrong. They violate your rights. They shoot you. They harm you. They can't be sued. The Supreme Court just made this doctrine up a couple decades ago and said that basically, unless you can find an exact case in history where another government official did that exact same thing, you have no legal recourse to actually hold that person accountable for their actions. It's a grotesque perversion of the Constitution. And it's one of the, these are some of the biggest things on the books that until they change, we can't get real change in this country. We can't get reform. We can't get a hold of these government actors who are completely out of control and trampling our basic civil liberties. And I, these are things I'm so glad you're using your show to elevate because the average American has no idea that this happens or this is on the books until they're at the end of the barrel, right? From the gun, from the government. And then they're like, wait, how is this happening? How is this a real thing? Because we, they don't even know it got put on the books, but um, it's yeah, really gross injustices that we need to contend with. Very well said, and these systems correct other systems. So if you get this part correct, these other systems correct themselves. And that's the cause and effect relationship. Um, I always appreciate you on the show. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, but you always know why you believe what you believe. And to me, that matters. I appreciate all that you do. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rishi. Absolutely.